The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 24, the Bible says, He who called you is faithful. Just quoting part of that verse. He who called you is faithful. God who called you is faithful. You know, we talk about us being faithful to God and that's important. We have to be faithful to God. But I think it's very encouraging to know that God is faithful to us. He who called you. God who called you for a purpose. God who called you to a destiny. God who called you to a dream. God who called you to a place of significance. God who called you to something here on earth. That same God is faithful to you. Meaning He's committed to you, to seeing you through, into that dream, into that destiny, and seeing you fulfill it in its entirety right here on earth. The God who called you is faithful. He is faithful to you. In fact, you and I sing that beautiful hymn written many, many years ago. Those grand old hymns of the church. Great is your faithfulness. Taken straight out of Lamentations, the third chapter, verses 22, 23, 24. It says, you know, we are not consumed simply because of God's mercies. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The psalmist said, you know, how can you measure God's faithfulness? It is higher than the clouds. It's higher than the heavens. So great is His faithfulness toward us. God is faithful to you. Amen. And we need just to encourage ourselves in the, in the understanding of the fact that God is faithful to me. God is faithful to you. He is committed to you, to seeing you fulfill. The dream, the plan, the destiny, the purpose that He has for your life. He is absolutely committed. He will not go back on that commitment to you. He is faithful to you. Think about the life of Abraham in the Bible. Now here God shows up. God speaks to this man called Abraham. Or Abraham at that time. And He says, Abraham, I want you to do something. I want you to leave your father's house. Leave your country. Leave your own people. And I want to take you to a land which I will show you. And I'm going to give that land as an inheritance to you and to your descendants. And Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants so great. They're going to be numerous like the sand on the seashore. Abraham hears this and he decides to get up and leave. I don't know what you and I would have done in that situation. God, give me the address and the map. The directions, everything God. Then I will get up and go. But the Bible tells us Abraham, when he was called by faith, he obeyed. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Can you imagine that? You know, how many of us wake up in the morning, get ready, step out the gate of our home, and somebody asks us, where are you going? I don't know. But I'm going somewhere. I don't think any of us do that. That's what Abraham did, in essence. He stepped out, left behind his family, his relatives, took his own wife, his own possessions, just his nephew along, And they went on a journey, not knowing where they were going. He just had a promise from God. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to make you a big nation. You're going to be a blessing to many people. He set out on that journey. And you know, I figure Abraham must have thought in his just rational thinking, you know, God is saying he's going to make me a good big nation. Means in nine months, I'm going to have a child. I can wait nine months. 
He must have thought that. So he, here he is on his journey. He's ready to have his first child. A year goes by. Two years go by. Three years go by. No children. And in this journey, he's got to go through a lot of unexpected things. Famine comes in upon that region. And he has to leave what he thought would be his destination and go into the land of Egypt just to survive. He's putting his own life at risk because if he gets in there, it's very likely those people will kill him. He goes in there just to survive. And then to secure his own life and the life of his wife, he has to say a few things, do a few things just to, you know, keep himself alive. So he's, he's here on his journey going around, just holding on to a promise that I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you descendants as many as the sand of the seashore. I can imagine Abraham, five years have gone, ten years have gone, no child, ten years, it's a long time. And of course his wife does a very normal thing, she comes up with an idea saying, Abraham, you know, uh, this is not an illegal thing at all for you to have a child through my maidservant. It's not illegal, it's perfectly fine, even God is okay with it. Just go ahead and have a child. And so Abraham has a child through a Hagar. And, and God shows him, no, 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 that's not the seed. That's not what I was talking about. Through Sarah will be your descendants. So Abraham does try a lot of things during these 10 years. It's probably discouragement setting in at that time. And God one night calls him out of his tent and says, Abraham, come out of your tent. He comes out and God says, Abraham, look up at the sky. And he looks up the clear Middle Eastern sky and looks at all the stars. And God says, Abraham, that's how numerous your descendants are going to be. Take a picture. Keep it in your heart. That's my promise to you. So Abraham is excited. God has spoken one more time. One other confirmation has come. Maybe this would be the year. Another five years go by. Another 10 years. Now it's 20 years since God first spoke to him. Finally, when it's 25 years, Abraham has his son, Isaac, through Sarah. 25 long years for Abraham to go through, pursue a promise that he knew he had heard from God. But he had to go through those challenges. He had to go through that period of time where his faith was so tested. But then, he who called you is faithful. The God who called you is faithful. He's going to come through. And sure enough, God came through for Abraham. 25 years. But today, God points you and me to Abraham and says, that man is the father of faith. If you want an example of faith, that's the man, Abraham. If you want somebody to follow in a walk of faith, that's the man. Follow him. I just see Ranjit and Anju. I didn't know they were here. God bless you. Could you stand up? The Ranjit and Anju uh, lead our, our church in APC Doha. Let's give them a good hand. God bless you. I didn't realize you're there. God bless you. Sit on. Thank you. They're here for Christmas. Wonderful. So God says, that's the man I want you to follow. Walk in the steps of of that man's faith. 25 years came and went. He didn't give up. He held on to that promise. And he saw it through. God was faithful. God came through. He fulfilled that destiny for his life. Think about Joseph. 
As a young man, God had spoken to him in a dream, where he had a dream where his, the sun and the moon, the eleven stars bowed down to him. This, uh, the, his father and mother sheaves and the, the sheaves of his brothers all bowed down to him. Essentially, God was saying, Joseph, I'm calling you to a life of honor. I'm calling you to a place of significance. So much so that even your, although you're the least in your father's house, your father, your mother and all your brothers are going to come and honor you. God gave him a dream, a call for significance in his life. Joseph held on to the dream. But you and I know the story. That everything began to go in exactly the opposite direction. He got sold as a slave. Sent off into an unknown land, a land called Egypt. No uncles, no aunts were there. No cousins there. No email, no cell phone. Nothing. Sent off into a land, lost all contact with his family. And there he is as a slave, serving Potiphar, working for Potiphar. And I'm just trying to imagine, you know, how Joseph must have felt. Here he had dreams of significance, that he would become somebody here on earth. So that so much so that even his family members would come and honor him. But now he's he's ended up as a slave in a foreign country to a foreign master. They would never, ever give him any sort of promotion. Probably he's going to spend the rest of his life, he'd be 80 and still dusting things in part of his house. Probably those were the kind of thoughts going through Joseph's mind at that time. And if that was not enough, things just went from bad to worse. You know how he was thrown into prison. Now he was a prisoner in Pharaoh's cell. Worse situation. Locked up in jail, he had to take care of other prisoners. Okay, some little honor there. The chief of prisoners. Now it's worse. No freedom, no liberty. Can't even run away into any other place. Locked up in prison. But then the Bible says in Psalm 105, verse 17, 18, it says, God sent a man before them. God sent a man before them. So all this that was happening in Joseph's life, somehow in it, Through it, in spite of it, the hand of God was at work in his life. God was positioning him. Although Joseph, I'm sure at that time, didn't see any handiwork of God in it. How could God be at work in something so disastrous as me becoming a slave? As me becoming a prisoner? How could God be at work? The Bible is saying in Psalm 135, God sent a man before them into Egypt. And then it says, the word of the Lord. He was bound in chains until his time came. Until the time came for the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord tested him. That very word that God had spoken into Joseph's life, that very word tested him. Checked him out to see if he would really believe what God had spoken. The dream tested him. That word tested him. The very word that God had spoken into his life was testing him through this entire period of time. And then you and I know the story. How in a matter of hours, in one day, before the sun set, in one day, Joseph went from being prisoner to prime minister. That's all it took 
for God to give him his breakthrough into his place of destiny. That was his moment of destiny. In a matter of hours, no struggling on his part, no great effort on his part. In a matter of hours, God used the very gift in him that was being tested. God used that same gift in him to take him from being prisoner to being prime minister. Putting him in to that position where he would fulfill his call, his destiny on his life. And he spent the rest of his life fulfilling the call. One moment of destiny. And that is what we believe God wants to release in our hearts and our lives in this year, 2009. That moment of destiny when you and I will be taken into a place where we will begin to fulfill the call, the dream, the destiny, the purpose assigned for our lives. Think about King David as a young man. He was at least in his father's house, so his brothers graduated, joined the army. He was still tending sheep, taking care of sheep. But he did that with a good heart. He was a good musician. He played on his harp and he sang psalms to the Lord. And he was very faithful in what he was assigned. While when the lions and the bears came to take over the sheep, his father's sheep, he stood his ground. He killed the lion. He killed the bear. He protected the sheep. It was really good. And for that, he gained a name as a good musician and as a valiant man. But that was it. And then God sends Prophet Samuel, all the way to his father Jesse's house. And he says, I've been sent by God. Get all your sons together. His father didn't even bother calling him. He brought all, he lined up all the other sons. And he said, and are all your sons here? And his father said, yeah, all of them there except one, the little one. I didn't think he's that important. Bring him here. Samuel said, get him here. So here comes David to meet Prophet Samuel. And Samuel anoints him as the next king of Israel. God revealing his plan, his purpose through a prophet saying, this is your destiny. This is what I'm calling you to. You're going to be the next king. I wonder what must have gone through David's mind at that time. Me, a little shepherd boy, barely in my teenage years, I'm going to be the next king. Well, let's just see. I mean, it's a nice thing. Thank you, Samuel. Thanks for visiting. I don't know what David must have thought at that time when God spoke through the prophet saying, you are going to be the next king. That's my call on your life. That's my purpose for you. That's my destiny on your life. And you know the story, what happened? David kills Goliath, gains a name as a mighty warrior in Israel. He's called into Saul's court to play music, uh, to just bring relief to Saul when he's being troubled by wicked spirits. The next thing you know is King Saul. Loses his anointing. The Holy Spirit departs from Saul. And now Saul is under the influence of demonic spirits. And he, wa- he has a murderous spirit wanting to kill David. And here little David has to leave his father's house. Leave the king's court and run to the caves. Live in caves. Disconnected from his own household. From his own family. The man who had a call to be the next king of Israel. Living as a wanderer in the caves of Israel. And interestingly, 400 people come to David. They say, David, look, we've got something in common. We are all in debt. We're all in distress. We're all very discouraged. And you seem to be in that exactly the same position. Let's join together. So they all band together, 401 of them. 
all in debt, all in distress, all very discouraged. They all live in caves, wander around here and there. And what a life David had to live. He had to lie to survive. He joins the Philistines, becomes one of them, lies to them so that he can live among them and survive. He fakes being a madman, pretends insanity just to keep himself alive. So Philistines say, okay, he's mad. I mean, don't even bother killing him. Leave him alone. He had to eat bread from the temple. Didn't have bread of his own at that time. I mean, he had to go through all these things. The man who was destined to be the next king of Israel. And of course, he had opportunities to kill King Saul. Two clear opportunities to cut off King Saul and push himself into becoming the next king. But he did not do that. He said, how can I do this to the Lord's anointed? Even though the Holy Spirit has departed from him, he was or he is the Lord's anointed. I will do him no harm. He honored God. Even in those moments. Approximately 13 years elapsed. If you assume that David must have killed Goliath when he was about 15 or 17. Till he was 13. 13 years wandering in the wilderness. Maybe a total of 15 years since Samuel came and said, This is God's call on your life. Wandering like this. I wonder what thoughts must have gone through David's mind. You know, did Samuel miss it? I mean, was he really anointed by God when he... Poured that oil on my head? Did he just get the wrong person? Maybe he misspelled my name. Something must have gone wrong. Maybe I'm not the one supposed to be the next king. I don't know what kind of thoughts would have gone through David's mind in those 13 or 15 years of wandering in the caves. But then it says, on a certain day, Saul and his sons were killed in battle. On one day, Saul and his sons were killed in battle. David doesn't rejoice in that. He still laments. He still honors a noble man. And after that morning, he says, God, can I now return to any of the cities of Israel? I mean, can I go back to Bangalore? God says, go out. Go to Hebron. David moves to Hebron. As soon as he enters Hebron, the tribe, one tribe, the tribe of Judah, come and they recognize him as king. His first step towards his destiny. Seven and a half years, he's faithful as being king over Judah. And then all of Israel comes and says, We want you to be king over all Israel. Faithful is he who calls you, who will also do it. What's the call? What's the dream? What's the purpose? What's the destiny? God who spoke that into your life who spoke that over your life, is faithful. He will do it. I want to close this time by just reminding us of what the prophet Zechariah said to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was a governor of the Jewish people when they had been sent back after the Babylonian captivity to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Zerubbabel was a governor. There were two prophets at that time, Zechariah and Haggai. And uh, the people began the rebuilding of the temple. And then they faced a lot of hardship, a lot of difficulties, a lot of oppositions. So that they gave up on continuing the work. They stopped rebuilding the temple. For at least a period of eight years or so. They didn't do the work they were called to do. So here comes Zechariah the prophet. He speaks to Zerubbabel the governor. 
And he says in Zechariah 4, 6, 6, 7, 8, he says, Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? I mean, Zerubbabel, what's this mountain that's before you? Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? God is saying, you will become a plain. And Zerubbabel, you who laid the foundation stone, you will also bring the capstone, meaning the finishing stone to this work. All you're going to do is shout grace, grace to your mountain. Because God is telling you, Zerubbabel, it's not by might, it's not by power. But my Holy Spirit will level your mountain. Amen. What's the mountain keeping you from fulfilling your destiny? What's the mountain keeping you from advancing into your purpose, into your call, into the dream that God has placed on your life? God saying, who art thou a great mountain? You'll become a plain. You started this journey in my call. You will also finish it. You will also finish it. This mountain will become a plain. Not because of your might, not because of your power. But the Holy Spirit himself will level it for you. All you need to do is proclaim grace. Grace. The grace of God is on my life. The grace of God is on your life. Proclaim grace, grace to the mountain that you are facing. What is it? What is that mountain before you? What is the mountain before me? That's hindering me, hindering you from fulfilling the call, the assignment, the dream, the destiny. This morning, let's proclaim the grace of God to it. Let the Holy Spirit level the mountain for you. Amen. What is the mountain? Is it a financial crisis? Is it a sickness, disease that just crippled you? Is it people who are opposing you? It is, a, is it the lack of opportunity? Is it closed doors that have been staring you in the face for such a long time? What is that mountain? I don't know. All of us face different mountains. Some of us may be facing many mountains. It's not just one. You turn around to your left, there's a mountain there. You look ahead, there's a mountain there. You look to the right, there's a mountain there. You look back, there's another mountain. I don't know. There could be mountains all around you. And you're saying, God, humanly speaking, it's impossible that I would ever advance in the call and the purpose of God for my life. Humanly speaking. But God says that's good news to him. Because he doesn't need power. He doesn't need might. He's saying, by his spirit. The mountains will be leveled. Faithful is the God who called you. He's faithful to you. He's faithful to that dream He gave you. He's committed to it. To see you fulfilling that. Abraham saw God's faithfulness. Joseph, if he were here this morning, he'd tell you, guys, I was a slave. I was in prison. I went through some terrible stuff. But I want to tell you, God came through. If David was here testifying this morning, say, guys, yes, I lived in caves. There were days when I had to climb the mulberry tree to get some food to eat. There were days when I had to pretend to be a madman. I had an extra skill of being a good actor. There were days when I had to, you know, do something that were really not nice. I had to lie to the Philistines. But guys, in spite of my failures, in spite of what I did, I can tell you, 
God's faithful. Zerubbabel would have said the same thing. He said, he would stand here and testify to you and me, saying, guys, you know, for eight years we were so discouraged. We gave up on the work of God. We quit. I couldn't motivate a single person. I myself lost courage. But then the word God, word of God came, saying he would level the mountain by his spirit. That day I rose up. That day I got the priest, Edo. That day I called the people said, let's get back because God is promising us something. All he wants us to do is proclaim his grace. And he promised us by his spirit, he will level the mountain. And when we acted on that word, I can testify. We finished the call. This morning, would you and I just say, God, we take a hold of your grace. We proclaim your grace to the mountain in my life. Whatever the mountains are, you proclaim grace, grace to it. And say, God, let your Holy Spirit level my mountains. Amen. Let's pray this morning. And I, I want to really pray that by the time the year is out, you will have your moment of destiny. However, how he's going to do it, I don't know. But let's pray that you will have your moment of destiny. Just to that moment, and he go from being a prisoner to being prime minister. That moment, when Israel comes to you and says, you are a king. That moment, when Isaac hears, when Abraham hears the cry of a newborn child, Isaac. That moment, when Zerubbabel lays the capstone and says, the work is completed. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.